there. Welcome to another life-transforming sermon with Dr. Dazwit Achero. 1 Corinthians. Amen. If you ever doubted I'm anointed, I think now. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Even me, I'm shocked. I didn't know I'm that anointed. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We are going to pray 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. That's what we are praying. You know, when we finish, before the days are finished, we move to Galatians. And we just pray. Praise the Lord. Amen. I think if we continue like this, most of you, when they say, how many have read the entire Bible? You, you, you will lift your hand. You will say, I have done so. Isn't it? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, Paul called to be an apostle of Jesus Christ through the will of God and sustains our brother to the church of God which is at Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all who in every place call on the name of Jesus our Lord, both theirs and ours. Grace to you. That's where we stopped. And we've been looking at grace. We have looked at the shades of grace. And I was not able to finish. I'll try and see if we can finish today. If we don't finish, we'll finish tomorrow. Number one was the grace to be or the grace to become. Amen. May the grace of God enable you to become what God ordained you to be in Jesus' name. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God. So the grace of God enables us to become who God ordained us to be. Number two, we discovered that it is grace to have. What you have and what you will possess as an individual will be courtesy of the grace of God. What will move you from the lower class to the upper class will be the grace of God. What will move you from the middle class to the upper class will be the grace of God. So tell your neighbor, remain humble. Yeah, it's the grace of God that triggers transitions in our lives. The grace of God that activates transitions in our lives. We are able to move from one dimension to another. Then number three, we discovered that it is the grace to stand, to stand against the wiles of the enemy because we need to stand. Jesus said, if the Son of Man comes back on earth, will he find faith? So we have to stand. And it is the grace of God that enables us to stand. The Bible, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that through whom also we have access by faith and into his grace in which we stand. May this grace make you stand. Ten years down the line, you will stand. Thirty years in salvation, you will still be standing. Fifty years in salvation, you will still be standing in Jesus' name. Then number four. It is the grace for a crisis. Bible says in Hebrews that we may come boldly to the throne of grace 
that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You need grace for every crisis that you will ever face. You need grace in time of need. And may the grace of God be available in your life when you go through a very difficult moment in your life in Jesus' name. Then number five is the grace to minister. The grace to empower you for the work of the ministry. I mean, you're not talking to me. It's like some of you are sleeping at some point. Is your neighbor talking? Number five is the grace to? And what was the scripture? I got you. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, where Paul says, But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which was with me. He labored abundantly because of the grace of God upon his life. Without the grace of God, ministry can be tedious. Without the grace of God, that's why you see people saying, I'm stepping down. You hear people say, I need a break. You need people say that I want to, um, I want to take a rain check as far as ministry is concerned. It's because they lack the grace to minister. When the grace to minister is upon you, you don't need a break. Because the grace empowers you. You see, people who need a break is because they are running on their own strength. They are running on their own power. But when you are running with the fuel of grace, you cannot say, I'm taking a break. You cannot say that I need to take a breather because it is the grace that empowers you to be able to do ministry. Can I hear an amen in this house? Receive the grace to serve God. Receive the grace to minister. Receive the grace to experience longevity in the ministry. Receive it in Jesus' name. Look at your neighbor and tell them, I will not step down. You're not talking to your neighbor. Talk to your neighbor. Tell them, I will not step down from ministry. I will serve God because of the grace to minister. Amen. At your own time, read Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. I didn't have time to read it, but it's a very powerful, powerful uh, scripture there. Number six. What was number six? Grace for establishment. We need to be established so that we are not shaken by strange doctrines. You can see that the church does not have very solid believers or solid Christians who are easily swayed by false doctrine. You need the grace of God to solidify your feet in the faith. You need the grace of God to make you withstand false teachers, to make you reject false teachings, to make you say no to false or um, Teachings that will take you away from the truth, which is God's word. You need the grace for establishment. Amen. I pray that may that grace come upon you, that you will be established in Jesus' name. Hebrews 13 says, For it is good that the heart be established by grace, not with foods. Tell your neighbor, that's why we are fasting. 
if you establish your faith on food, you will not survive. Hallelujah. Come on, Philly. Why are you saying no? Are you saying yes or no? Oh, yes. Yes. So we cannot put our faith on ugali or our faith on fries, our faith on ice cream. You know, I had another sister. She was preparing to fast and she said, I want to eat a lot of ice cream before I start fasting. That is not how you prepare to fast. You can't put your faith on food. If you put your faith on food, you will not be established. You must be established in the grace of God so that you are fortified in the spirit to be able to reject anything that will try and pluck you from the word of God. Then seven, where we are today, it is the grace to speak. The grace to speak. Hmm? The grace to preach. The grace to prophesy. Hallelujah. The grace to be able to communicate clearly. The grace to speak the right word. You know, a word that will resolve conflict. A word that will pacify anger. You need the grace to speak. Hallelujah. You see, many of us, we don't realize how powerful your mouth is. That your mouth, the Bible says, by your words you'll be justified. And by your words you'll be condemned. Many of the troubles we experience in lives, in our lives, is because of our mouth. Many of the problems and complications we find ourselves in is because of our tongues. That's why you need grace to know how to speak. Because sometimes you can say something that will land you into trouble. Or you can say something at a wrong time that will land you into trouble. Or you can say something in a bad way that will cause the situation to turn from bad to us. So that's why we need grace so that we can know how to speak. Amen. We need grace to become good communicators where you can be able to express yourself. When you express your thoughts, people will understand you. You know, there are people when they speak, you wonder what they are saying. You know, you even ask your neighbor, do you understand what he is saying? It's because he's not clear. You need grace to speak. Because let me tell you one thing. This life, if you don't know how to speak, hi, things will be very difficult for you. If you don't know how to speak, you cannot approach a girl. That's problem number one. If you don't know how to speak, you cannot pass interviews. You will go there and say the wrong thing. The papers are right. You have your suit. You are smelling nice. You have your hairstyle. And everybody is expecting something profound from you because of the way you look. But the moment you open your mouth, if they were ready to give you 100%, it goes back to maybe negative. Because of your mouth. That's what I'm telling you. If you don't know how to speak, things can be very thick for you, I'm telling you. If you don't know how to speak, you, you cannot handle marriage. Yes. Some of you people are getting married and you have not developed your communication skills. You are setting up yourself for failure. Oh, it's quiet. It's very quiet. But I pray you receive grace to speak. 
telling you. Amen? Yes, because marriage cannot survive on science. You have to speak. Tell your neighbor, you have to speak. And that's why we need the grace to speak. Hallelujah. You want to be a preacher, you need the grace to speak. So that sometimes, you see, sometimes you can have the fire. You read a scripture and you're fired up. You feel fire shut up in your bones. And you're telling, my goodness, you, you tell yourself, my goodness, if I get an opportunity to preach. This is the message I preach. Then you get the opportunity. And people are just seeing you jumping. You are on fire, you are burning, but you are not saying anything. And whatever you are saying is not clear. You need the grace to be able to speak. As a wife, you need the grace to know how to speak to your husband. As a husband, you need grace to know how to speak to your wife. Hallelujah. Can I get a name? Why are you quiet? You need grace to even speak to your boss, to know how to speak to your boss. Some of you, when you are sacked, you blame the devil. It's not the devil, it's your tongue. You are speaking to your boss like your peer. Your boss is not your peer. He's above you. You should know how to talk to him. You should humble yourself. Amen. Yeah, speak to him nicely so that when he is thinking of somebody to promote, it will be you. But if you speak to him like you are on the same level, he's wondering if I promote this one, he will use his position to kick me out of this office. So how we speak is very, very important. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 11. The Bible says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. When you look at gold and silver, one has a higher value than the other. Gold has a higher value than silver. And here the Bible says when you have the ability to speak the right word, your words will always stick out. Because if you put gold in the background of silver, gold will always pop out. So when you speak the right word, I'm telling you, you will always be distinct. You will always pop out of the crowd. And people will want to listen to you. Because your words are above average. When everybody else is speaking like silver, you, you will be speaking like gold. Oh, am I speaking to the right crowd here? When everybody else is using silver language, you, you will be using gold language. You will always stick out in Jesus' name. I pray in that office, you will speak gold language. I pray in that interview, you will speak God language. I pray wherever you are in a crowd, you will speak God language. Shout a louder, amen. 
Misunderstandings are resolved when people know how to speak. Strife is dealt with when people know how to speak. Difficult and strained relationships are able to be dealt with when people know how to speak. That's why we need this grace to come upon us. We need this grace to help us to become great preachers. Hallelujah. You know, not every preacher speaks the gold language. Yeah. Many of the preachers, they are at the silver level. Yeah. Only a few are sticking out. You can see this one is exceptional. They are speakers. They take a scripture and they preach on that scripture until you wonder, is this person normal? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So you can always stick out when the grace to speak comes upon you. Can I hear an amen? amen. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 6. The Bible says, Colossians chapter 4 verse 6, let your speech always be with grace. Look at that. Let your speech always be with grace. Seasoned with salt. Because salt is a flavoring agent. Hallelujah. You know, you know, when your speech is seasoned with salt, people want to listen to you. People want to hear what you have to say. Because every word that comes out of your mouth has a flavoring effect on the ears of your listeners. My goodness. May God release grace upon you to be able to speak in the name of Jesus. The Bible says, let your speech always be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how, you may know how you ought to answer each one. You may know how to respond to questions. You may know how to respond to situations because, you know, your, your speech has been seasoned with salt. You will know what to say at what time when you are required to speak. Can I hear an amen? amen? I pray that your mouth will not shut doors for you. Amen. Instead, your mouth, because of the grace to speak, will open great doors for you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Your mouth will not make people reject you. I pray that your mouth will make people embrace you. Amen. And they will love you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can I hear louder? Amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them from today. My speaking is changing. The way I speak is changing because of the grace to speak. Hallelujah. I prophesy you will be a great teacher of God's word when the grace to speak comes upon you. You will be a great preacher when the grace to speak comes upon you. Some of you are prophesy, you will prophesy with clarity. When the grace to speak comes upon you. Some of you I prophesy you will sing with clarity. When the grace to speak comes upon you. Receive it in Jesus name. Somebody shout I receive it. Number eight. Maybe I should only give you two then we pray. Or you want three. Hmm? Number eight is the grace for weakness. The grace 
for weakness. Paul speaks grace over the church at Corinth is the grace for weakness. The truth of the matter is each and every one of us has a weakness or two. If you examine your life, you will see areas in your life where you are weak. You will see some rough edges in your life. You keep on praying that God may help you, you know, to overcome those areas in your life. Nobody is perfect. It doesn't matter how refined you look. Nobody is perfect. In fact, I've realized one of the best or one of the best ways to know that you're not perfect is by getting married. <laughs> yeah. All of you who look refined, I suggest to you, if you really want to see your wretchedness, get married. Yeah. Marriage has a way of exposing your rough edges. Marriage has a way of bringing out some of the areas in your life that you thought you have under control. Because <laughs> somebody will, people who are married are not supporting me. Oh, thank you. Somebody will provoke an area that you thought you had buried in form two. <laughs> you thought you had nailed that thing on the cross. Hey! <laughs> and then it resurrects and you see it and you're like, I can't believe this is me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so everybody has a weakness or two, you know, in their lives that they need to work on it. Amen. You see, when you're living alone, you are pleasing yourself. And it's so easy to please yourself. Isn't it true? So easy to please yourself. Pleasing yourself, you can go anywhere. No pressure. You can eat anything. No pressure. You can sleep at whatever time you want to sleep. No pressure. You can wear anything. No pressure. You can even leave your hair unkempt. No pressure. Do you understand? You can even decide not to shower. I know some young people who are single, they don't shower. They shower two times a week, three times a week, you know. But when you enter that institution, I'm telling you, oh, there are things you cannot do. You jump into the bed, your wife asks you, have you brushed your teeth? <laughs> then you realize, hey, when you are single, you are only brushing your teeth in the morning. Yeah? Somebody taps and asks you, Are you have you showered? Say, no, I'll shower in the morning. You will dirtify the sheets. <laughs> so every one of us we have a weakness or two that comes to the fore when we are exposed to certain circumstances. That's why we need grace. Amen. You're not the only one. Even Bible characters had weaknesses. Moses had an issue with anger. And it was such a big issue 
you know, that it costed him stepping into the promised land. He saw it from far, but he didn't step into the promised land. But you can see that the grace of God covered him to allow him to even lead, you know, close to a million people. You see, the guy, I mean, I was just looking at Moses and I really felt sorry for him. I mean, God sees that the guy has anger and then he chooses him to lead one of the most stubborn people on the face of the earth. Guys who are seeing miracles today, tomorrow they are complaining. You part the Red Sea today, they get to the other side, they start complaining. And yet God could see that this guy has a weakness with anger and he allows him to pastor such a church. God has a sense of humor. I'm telling you. Because he, he should have chosen people who are nice and people like Noah. <laughs> but he chose Moses. And he's trying to show us that it is not by power. It is not by might. It is by his grace covering us that we may be able to do what God has called us to do. Tell your neighbor, that's why you need the grace to cover your weakness. Look at Judas. He had a weakness with money. And Jesus selects him to be the treasurer of the ministry. And he knew what this guy was doing. And he never sacked him. The grace of God sustained this guy all through the ministry of Jesus until he behaved in a certain way. And you can see that it's the same, same money that actually killed him. But for three and a half years, the grace of God covered him, covered his weakness. Jesus knew what he was doing, but he allowed the grace to cover his weakness. He knew that this guy was putting his hand in the offering basket, you know, and using the offering to pay his rent. He knew, but he allowed the grace, you know, just to cover him. That's why the grace of God is so powerful. Because God knows you have weaknesses. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you are like Judas. And you are like Moses. You have a weakness. I'm telling you, if God was to remove his grace, nobody here will stand. Nobody here will stand, including the preacher. Nobody will stand. It is the grace of God that covers our weakness. Look at Elijah. A guy is suicidal. And God allows him to confront a woman by the name Jezebel. A woman who has even controlled her husband. Because she had a very phlegmatic husband by the name Ahab. One time Ahab is coming home. He has a six o'clock face. He's sad. And she looks at him and says, why are you sad? Don't you know that you are the king? Look at you. And I've said, no, I was talking to Naboth and I really wanted his vineyard and he did not agree to sell it to me. He said, hmm, I will give it to you. <laughs> and true to her words, she, she went and killed the guy and, and told the king, now the, the, the thing is yours. Here is the title deed. Go and enjoy the vine. That is the woman that Elijah has to deal with. And you see, when Elijah was killing the prophets of Baal, these prophets of Baal were eating in the palace. And who was cooking for them? 
and providing their meals. It was Jezebel. It was Jezebel who opened up the palace for all these false prophets to be able to eat. And here comes Elijah. God anoints him and tells him, go and deal with the prophets of Baal. He deals with them and he kills them. After he kills them, Jezebel uses the key of death to scare Elijah, who is suicidal. He said, Elijah, I will do to you what you have done to the prophets. I will kill you. So Elijah decided, Lord, kill me before, before, <laughs> before Jezebel kills me. I'd I, I rather die in your hands than die in the hands of this woman. Yet you can see that the grace of God covered him. He became a prophet. The grace of God covered him. He was able to do ministry. The grace of God covered him. He raised Elisha and released a double portion of his anointing upon him. I'm trying to show you that you need grace because you are not perfect. Look at your neighbor tell them you've got issues. He calls Gideon a man who is full of fear and poor self-esteem. And even when he's calling Gideon, you know, Gideon tells God, you know, I'm, I'm from the least of the tribes in Israel. And you can see that Gideon doesn't have confidence. He's, he's, he's afraid to even step to the challenge of leading the Israelites against the Midianites. And then these are the very, very people who instilled a lot of fear in the Israelites, tormented the Israelites, destroyed their fields, and caused them to leave their houses to go and live in caves. Those are the people God is telling Gideon, go and deal with them. And he's showing him signs and signs and signs. And as Gideon is, you know, constituting his army, when God looked at the army that Gideon has cons had constituted, he could see that some of the guys that Gideon approached looked like him. They were afraid like him. So he told him, go and whisper in the ears of these people and tell those who are afraid to go home. He's sending a man who is afraid <laughs> to go and tell people who are afraid to go home. I'm trying to show you that God is using people with weaknesses and the reason why they are effective is because of his grace upon their lives. Hallelujah. Jesus chooses Peter, a man with a big mouth who speaks before he thinks. <laughs> huh? The guy speaks too fast and then he realizes, hey, what have I said? When Jesus said, all of you will deny me. He said, no, 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 not me. Not me. I can never deny you. Jesus, even, look, it's not even just about denying you. If you go to prison, if you are here, I am here. We are together. I will go with you to prison. I will be with you. I mean, he was speaking very fast. And it landed him into problems. A man who was very quick to respond to situations. He chopped somebody's ear. In the name of serving God. Very quick. Yet Jesus said, you are the one that I'm going to, to leave the ministry to. Look, Peter was very 
influential that when Jesus looked like he has not resurrected properly, he told every guy, everybody that was with him, please, let's, let's go and fish. Let's go back to our former profession. And Jesus had to go. <laughs> Jesus had to go and get him. He asked him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? I mean, if it was you, I don't think you could have chosen Peter. A man who doesn't think before he speaks, he will burn the church. He will destroy the church. He will kill members. He will slap you and say, oops, sorry, it was the flesh in me, but forgive me. Yet Jesus used him and called him and told him, feed my lambs. It is the grace of God that covered Peter. And when you look at Peter, you realize that the grace of God really worked in his life, that it got to a place where he became such a mature minister that when people were having problems, they had to come and consult with him in Jerusalem. He became so mature, not the young Peter. He became so mature because he grew in this, in this grace. I see you growing in that grace. I say, I see you growing in that grace. In the name of Jesus. I don't have time to talk about Samson. I don't have time to talk about Solomon. I don't have time to talk about David. It is the grace. It is the grace that covered their weakness. Hallelujah. I mean, Samson has this thing for women. Solomon has this thing for women. That's what I'm telling you. Everybody has his own thing. For you, it might not be a woman. But it might be a man. <laughs> Someone saying much. I'm telling you, people have issues. It might not be a man. It might be money. Or it might be power. You understand? Or it might be just lying. You know, David, it was women. And yet you see that the grace of God just covered him. And he became one of the best kings of Israel. So I pray today that the grace of God will cover you. It will cover your weakness. Because you've got some work to do. Amen. Let me read this last scripture, then we pray. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Because if I start the other one, we might not pray. Or do you have time? 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look at what Paul says here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh. There was something that God allowed in me. A weakness. A thorn in the flesh was given to me. A messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. The reason why God wants you to see your weakness is so that you may remain humble. So that you may realize it's not your power that sustains you. It is the grace that covers you. Amen. Are we together, somebody? It's the grace that strengthens you. It's the grace that covers your nakedness. It is the grace that covers your weakness. And Paul here is saying, I have a lot of revelations, but God allowed this thing so that I may continually be reminded that I need to remain humble despite all these revelations that I have received. Look at the next verse. It says, Hallelujah. Concerning this thing, I pleaded. I pleaded with the Lord. How many times? Three times that it might depart from me. The way you have pleaded with the Lord that this thing might go. 
Some go, some remain to keep you humble. You're very quiet. But it's the truth. Amen. God has left it for a reason. Hallelujah. That's why once in a while it come up and then you, you kill it. <laughs> it comes up rather, then you kill it. He, he said, I prayed. I asked the Lord, deal with this thing. Remove it. I can't be buffeted by Satan because Satan will always thrive on your weaknesses. He will attack the area in your life that you're weak. He will not attack the area in your life that you're strong. Because he's a very clever devil. Pleaded with God three times to remove it. But look at what the Bible says. Next verse. And he said to me. Who said to me? God. My grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. So God spoke to him. When you read that scripture from a hard copy, you will see that those words are in red. Amen. So it's God who is speaking. Put up the scripture one more time. He says, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Then look at the next verse. Then he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Where is he deriving this strength from? Is from the grace of God. He finds strength in the midst of his weaknesses in the grace of God. May you find strength in God's grace. In the midst of your weaknesses, in the midst of your flaws, in the midst of your rough ages, may you find grace that will strengthen you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Tonight receive grace for every weakness in your life. Receive grace for every weak point in your life in Jesus' name. Let me give you the last one then we pray. Number th number. Nine, the grace for the humble. The grace for the humble. Now, humility is a virtue that has been encouraged in the scriptures. In fact, God expects all of us to be humble. But at the same time, he detests pride. God does not love people who are proud. But the sad thing is we see pride in church because there was pride in heaven. Can you imagine? The most holiest spot on the universe, we see pride. Satan was in heaven and we see pride in his heart. Hallelujah. So if there was pride in heaven, how much more in the church? Hmm? That's why you have to desire humility. Because naturally, you are inclined towards pride. You understand? And you see, pride does not just happen, you know, um, quickly. It takes time for pride to be seen. We don't know how many years Lucifer was in heaven. Because it speaks of eternity. So we don't know how long he was there. So it takes time for you to see pride. You know, when you meet people, you, they, they might not really demonstrate pride 
uh, when you meet them. But as you stay with them for a while, they stay in charge for a while, that's when you will see pride manifesting in their lives. A lot of people, when they join a church, they are very humble. Isn't it true? They are humble. I feel like this is my place. They are humble. Hmm? They are almost talking to you while kneeling. But after they stay around for a while, you know, like the way Lucifer stayed in heaven for a while, you know, they become proud. You know, pride is so bad that God does not like it. Let me throw these scriptures at you. Proverbs 21 verse 4. A, a haughty look, a, pride, a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked are sin. So pride is sinful, according to Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 4. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 12. Bible says, For the day of the Lord of hosts shall come upon everything proud and lofty, upon everything lifted up, and it shall be brought low. Anything that is lofty, anything that is proud, the Bible says a day is coming, it shall be brought low. Sometimes when you see people who are proud, they look like they're doing well, you know, for a moment, for a season. But let me tell you, a day is coming that God will bring them low. God will bring them down. Hallelujah. I mean, when you look at these scriptures, you should run away from pride. Because I see sometimes people beat their chest, you know, people say things. When they are leaving a church, they are saying things. You can see pride coming out of their mouth. They are saying so many things, and they want to show you that they are doing very well. They want to show you their car. They want to show you their house, and you can see pride. But let me tell you, it's a matter of time. They will not survive. The Bible here says, it shall be brought low. They shall be brought low. So tell your neighbor, don't be proud. Isaiah chapter 13, verse 11, and I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity. And I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and it will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. This is very scary, that God will even cause the arrogance of the proud to cease. He will stop it. He will put a full stop to it, and will bring them solo. He will humble them the way he humbled Nebuchadnezzar. So you can be proud for a season, but let me tell you, if you don't humble yourself, your days are numbered. You can be proud for two years, you can be proud for three years, you can be proud for four years, but let me tell you, your days are numbered. You know, I was looking at some of the guys who were in the previous government. They were very proud. They were very proud. I had somebody say that even if God says no, I said it has gotten to that place where you even now involve God, that even if God says no, what we have decided, we have decided. That is the day I knew their plans will not work. It's just a matter of time. If you, if, if, if you can be proud for two years, three years, four years, five, but let me tell you, a day is coming. You will be brought down. Some of those people, where are they now? Hmm? Some of them had to run out of the country to try and survive. They were so proud, you know, because of what they were saying. So pride will never take you far. Tell your neighbor, pride will never take you far. Jeremiah chapter 50 and verse 32. The most proud shall stumble and fall, and no one will raise him up. I will kindle a fire in his cities, and it will devour all around him. 
So you can see that God hates pride. That's why he wants us to be humble because humility will invite a dimension of grace that will command your lifting. Oh, what a powerful statement. I want to say that again. Humility will attract a dimension of grace that will command your lifting. Let's read this last verse and then we pray. James chapter 4, verse 6. Let's see the grace for humility, what it can do. But he gives. Who gives? God. He gives more grace. To who? That's, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to, to the humble. So when you become humble, you become a recipient of this dimension of grace. Hallelujah. When you humble yourself, please, I want to encourage you to humble yourself. See your team members, are you listening to me? Please humble yourself. When you humble yourself, this dimension of grace will come upon you. God will release it upon you. And it is that dimension of grace that will command a lifting in your life. It will raise you up. Look at verse 10 of the same, same chapter. God resists the proud. He will resist the proud, but he will give grace to the humble. And then what will happen? Look at verse 10. James chapter 4 and verse 10. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord. And what will happen when you humble yourself? What do you think will lift you up? Is the grace. Is the grace. God will release the grace to lift you up. God will release the grace to raise you. I, I don't want to be put down. I want to be lifted up. Maybe I'm the only one. But I want to be lifted up. I don't want to lift myself. You see, if you lift yourself in pride, you will come down. God will bring you down. The way Lucifer lifted himself in pride, God brought him down. But when you go down in humility, God will pick you by his grace and he will lift you up. Can I hear an amen? So tell your neighbor, please be humble. My pastors, be humble. My leaders, be humble. COT members, be humble. My, 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 my people who serve in the staff, be humble. When you humble yourself, God picks you by his grace and he commands a lifting in your life. You begin to go higher and higher and higher. Your family will go higher. Your business will go higher. Your company will go higher. Everything about you will go higher. And if God is doing it, he will also sustain you up there. Hi! Can I hear an amen in this house? Receive the grace for humility to lift you higher and higher and higher in Jesus' name. Can we shout a big amen in this house? Are we ready to pray? I'll finish the rest in the morning. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can now get in touch with Dr. Dazutechero on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.